Hello and welcome to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski. Thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Paintball, where you've heard them multiple times before on this podcast. And the very cool thing that I have to mention about Dr. Paintball is that they help you finance the paintball markers of your dreams. That's I'm talking about LVRs, Egos, um, the uh, the CS1s, die markers, Luxes. They have all kinds of stuff over there. They also have uh, used gear as well in a used gear section. Section. <laughs> so uh, you can literally get whatever you like. Um, you know, they, they fancy to all kinds of players, and they are there for the player. They want to help you guys out. They want to help build the paintball community, and you can find them over at drpaintball.com. Uh, if you guys also want videos, they, they have videos in their, uh, their About Me section. They have uh, a blog. They have all kinds of stuff. Again, drpaintball.com. Give them a checkout. Uh, we are also brought to you by GI Sports, who provide Aftershock with the not only the uh, the LVL loader, which I am fancy to, that thing is pretty damn neat. Uh, I've, I've shot a, a rotor before, I've shot a spire before, and those are all high-end loaders, and this thing tops out with them, man. Uh, keeps up with everything. Super, super easy teardown and cleanup. Um, it's pretty cool how it works. I don't know if you, you've guys seen one yet. I'm sure you have, but tear one down, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, again, you can find all of that at gisportswithaz.com. And uh, not only do they have those, they have packs, uh, awesome paint, which we shoot as well, the, the Pro Circuit 5-star, and uh, packs, pants, jerseys, all kinds of stuff. Again, gisports.com. We are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball, who uh, provide myself with all kinds of headgear and also pack bands. Uh, he's producing some new ones coming out now. Anything that, that Charm City comes out with is always a limited run. It's always 10 or less. Uh, the, the quality is amazing. The fabrics are, are great. It's, it's, it takes the beating. It, uh, I believe a lot of his stuff is also like the no tear or the no rip kind of style material. Um, and he has, he has Gucci stuff. He has, he has OG camo, all kinds of awesome, awesome patterns over at Charm City Paintball. Dot com, uh, actually not dot com, his Facebook page, <laughs> and he also has an Instagram now too, so make sure you check him out, that's Charm City Paintball, and uh, a big thank you goes to Planet Eclipse, where they have, uh, they've helped me out throughout the years, and I've been fortunate enough to shoot their LV1 and uh, their LVR now, and it's just hands down the the best marker that I've ever shot, the, the smoothest, I always tend to say it's like butter because it's so smooth I'm 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 really big on a marker shooting very smooth uh, you know just not even smooth but this thing is like ball on ball uh, even with the new carbon fiber barrel the thing is awesome it's it's so quiet it feels so nice in your hands it's like a big buttery paintball gun it's it's amazing I love it I have people shoot it all the time and they always hand it back to me going, wow, that thing is awesome. I said, yes, yes, it is. I love it. 
So uh, you can find all kinds of markers and extra goodies over at uh, planeteclipse.com. So thank you to all of our sponsors of this episode. And uh, if you guys are tuning in, this is a uh, the episode with J-Rab. Uh, I've been meaning to sit down with him. Uh, I forgot a couple details with him that he was a part of the 2005 uh, victory with excess energy. And I just have terrible memory with these things, man. But uh, it was cool talking to him about uh, some of the old school stuff, especially talking to him about having Steve Rabikoff as a as a father growing up and a, a, a not only a paintball figure, but uh, but he seemed like a great father growing up. And, you know, I, I talked to him about not really pushing J-Rab into the sport, but kind of nudging him a little bit. But not I mean, that's the last thing you want to do is, is force your kid to do something that he hates it. But uh but it seemed like it worked out perfect for J-Rab, and now he's, he's one of the best out there. So it was really uh, really interesting podcast. I, I really had a good time. So uh, hope you guys enjoy listening to this one, and we'll see you at the end. And I'm sorry if I uh, keep sniffling. It just hit me, like, earlier today, like... My wife and my it's son. It's flu season, man. Dude, I I don't really get sick that often, but uh, my wife and my my boy were like sick for like a week straight, and then I was fine. <laughs> I was I was like, got the, it. I was the only, and then now they're getting better, and it just hit me today. So, you know, I don't really get sick at all since I moved to Florida. Uh, I think it's just some humidity in the air. One, it probably kills all like the pathogens that are just like floating through the air. Sweating and I everything never get else. sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm always sweating. I'm sweating right now in my own house. <laughs> uh, when did you move down there? Uh, well, I moved to Tampa first, and that was the year after I finished with uh, Damage. So it was the first year that I was with Impact, so 2004. So I've been here for three years now. Oh shit! Yeah, I didn't know. I thought you were because I think the last time that I talked to you, you were in Virginia. I want to say. Yeah. Well, that was a while ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when I yeah. came and uh, I, I think I don't know if you were on excessive or not, but that's when we came out and visited you guys at your house. I think for the DC Seven Man event or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where I grew up. Well, mostly. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's um, where uh, where are you from? Kind of where'd you grow up, and how did you come about paintball? Obviously, your last name's Rabikoff, so we all know where that yeah. came from. But yeah. but uh, were you uh, were you like kind of forced into it, or was it just something kind of that uh, that your dad maybe kind of just n- gently nudged you in the direction? I I would say it was a little bit of of both my dad wanted me to play and he thought it would be be fun to play with his kids you know like one of the like a bonding experience yeah so i was definitely like nudged into it way more but the the thing was when i was a kid i hated it i hated it. i played like a birthday party like one time when i was like nine years old and i remember just being so scared like and i didn't want to play and that was it after that i told my dad i was like no i'm not i don't want to play like i, I don't like this it's not fun yeah. But I, I was always around it. I went to the field, you know, the tournaments. I was always there. I was around it. Um, and it wasn't until, like, later that I was like, oh, you know, this is pretty fun. Yeah. And it wasn't until, like, 2004 or the middle of 2003 when I finally started actually playing. So I was around 14 years old. 
Mm-hmm. So up in, up until that point, I pretty much hated it, but I was always at the field and I kind of just hung out, but never really wanted to play. Now, see, because I can see how that, like I watched these couple documentaries on uh, on HBO where it's like these dads like just pushing their kids to the limit mm-hmm. and they looked like they were miserable, like, you know, yeah. wanting to, and I can only imagine having your father be around and be like, well, you know, and being the status that he was playing on a professional team at Avalanche, you know, to say the least, I, I would definitely not want to be in the situation where, you know, you're trying to follow his footsteps into it. <laughs> and I could see how you wouldn't want to in the beginning because obviously yeah. it hurts. Um, but, but second, I just, I, I couldn't imagine like having somebody like that, like playing all the time and him wanting you without forcing it. That had to be a tough position for him too. Cause he didn't, he yeah. obviously didn't want to push you enough to push you away, but enough to be like, Hey, you know, kind of do this thing that I do too. Right. And, and every time I was at, like, he would bring me around the field, like I said before, and he would always ask me, but he would, you know, he would ask, he would never be like, Hey, you're going to play today. You know, mm-hmm. like you get a gun in your hand, put your pack on, fill up some paint. Yeah. But he would be like, Hey, you want to fill my tubes or you want to do this? And like, I loved doing that. Like I loved like, you know, filling up the tubes and cause like I thought that was a, fu- that was a fun job as a kid. You know, <laughs> He didn't force it on you. No, not at all. Not at all. Like it wasn't until like I was finally ready that I was like, okay, like this is, this is what I like, you know, as soon as I started playing it, cause it felt like it was my decision. Yeah. You know, it was, it was all me. It was me that wanted to go out on the field on, you know, Thursdays and Fridays and set up the field all by myself, stake the bunkers down, blow it up and then run drills by myself, you know? Yeah. So like it was all, it was all my decision. He just kind of gave me like little nudges in the beginning, but he never forced it upon me at all, which was in my, in my opinion, it, it can go either way. You know, like, again, like you said, these documentaries on HBO, they just push, push, push. And then these kids, they turn out to be the greatest, Yeah, you know? So it, it's one of those things. It's kind of like you have, you have to decide as a parent what you think is best for your kid and then let them decide. Yeah. Yeah. Now did, did, uh, your dad didn't own a field. Like you guys didn't own a field. You were just next to one or close to one. Yeah. My dad never, no, he never owned a field. Um, but every weekend we were we were at the field so as soon as when i started playing is when i lived in virginia and i played at a at a field called pev's paintball so that's, that's okay where, that's what i thought yeah so so uh it was pev's field um and my dad at the time worked for pev's and did like wholesaling for him you know at, at pev's so while he was, I was playing always on the, yeah i believe this is the time like and honestly i don't remember like Again, I, I never followed it. I never watched like everyone's like, oh, push, you know, like that's a huge. I never got into that stuff. No. Like I never watched the videos. I never like, never. I was never really into it. It was just kind of like not really my thing, even though my dad was like, you know, one of the, played on one of the powerhouse teams, went over yeah. to Europe, crushed everybody, won a bunch of tournaments. But to me, I don't remember it that way. I never remember it that way at all. So it's so crazy for me to kind of like go back and think of it because I never viewed him as that, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't till later where like, you know, how do you feel comparing to, you know, your dad and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it was tough because I never did compare it. I never saw him as like this great paintball player. You know, I just saw him as a great dad. Yeah. You know? your dad, yeah. Yeah. He's just my dad. So it was, <laughs> it, it was weird. It's weird. It's hard to think about, like going back because I never saw it that way. 
Now, uh, going to the normal field uh, that you would go up and you would you blow up bunkers. You you know, as he plays or practices at that field, you kind of be around. But did he ever take you to like an event? So I would always go to like uh, the big the bigger ones. Um, I would go to like Cup and things like that. My dad, you know, he always did Mardi Gras events like back in the day. Mm-hmm. I never I never went to any of those Mardi Gras. Like I was he always had like a babysitter for me. Like you know, back at the house. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't until like, until I started, I think I remember asking him like, Hey, I want to go to world cup this year. And that was like, I think I was like 12, maybe 13 before I started playing. And, um, so I remember going there and I ended up playing actually. And I played 10 man yeah. on, on, on the, on a hyperball field. And I remember running oh, nice. all the way to the 50 yard line, like right in the middle and then shooting a couple of people and then getting shot out, you know? So <laughs> that was like one of my fond memories and it was the first one at, at world cup. So it was, it was, it was all me from what I remember, it was all me putting myself in those situations, like asking him and then him finally being like, Oh great. And then he was so excited about it. Right. That's like, that's what I remember is like, finally, I was like, he really wants to play. And then it was just all in after that point you know yeah so i just remember him being super super excited when i started really getting into it and really starting to play and like oh, he was yeah, I bet. and he and he was all over it like i had john richardson and rusty glaze like oh because at the time they also worked for pev mm-hmm. at pev's paintball so they were there and i would always like hey like let's run drills let's do one-on-ones and blah 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 and like <laughs> and i would just go and get pummeled into the dirt <laughs> in one-on-ones <laughs> every weekend and then finally you know i just started beating everybody at the field it's the recipe for you know to make a great player like yourself i think um you know having those guys around teaching you the the wrongs and the rights of what to do on the paintball field you know uh look at anybody in sports history you know and they they probably came up getting taught by the best and and getting pummeled into the ground and Mm -hmm. eventually coming out using every one of those little bit of you know of those, this player's attributes this player's attributes and yeah. then building it into their own kind of style and, and form and i feel like that's that's what you've done especially being around the players that you've been around growing yeah, up yeah i've definitely i've definitely been lucky in in that sense again i i don't even want to call it lucky i i kind of want to say that it was it was all hard work because yeah. again, my it wasn't my dad that forced me into it and was like, "Hey, you're gonna do this, and I'm gonna teach you how to do it." Right. It was once I made that decision on my own. It was me putting in the hard work and me going out and like, "Dad, like, hey, come play, let's go do this," or or and getting John to the field and, and Rusty to the field. So I felt like that was the difference. In in there's always these success stories for all these great players. They either like came from nothing or they're they they really put in it's every success story is always this player or whoever it is putting in the work and and playing nonstop and doing everything they can to be the best player. There's a, there's a, there's a a little small story that I have that um, like a lot of people don't know about me is when I was growing up and I was playing, like when I first started playing, I always loved dynasty. They were my team. You know, I always wanted to play. I always wanted to play for them, but that was everybody back then. You know, everyone wanted to be on dynasty. All the kids growing up. Exactly. Exactly. They wanted to be a part of that team because it was like their story is just one of, one of the greatest in in my mind in sports history. Right. Mm -hmm. So I actually had, (laughs) I had Oliver's Jersey on my ceiling 
So I went to bed with it every single night. Yeah. And I always said before I went to bed that I'm going to be better than you. Motherfucker. And every, yeah, every <laughs> time I'm going to be better than you. I will be better than you. I'm going to be better than you. And I would always say it before I go to bed, had his dynasty jersey up on the ceiling, go to sleep. And then it was like, that was the work, you know? Yeah. So I was, and I, I lived it. I lived paintball every second I thought about it. You know, it kept me out of a lot of trouble as well. Like I was a troublemaker when I was a kid. Yeah. So instead of, you know, doing all this different stuff, I was just paintball, paintball, paintball. And that's You're all obsessed. it was. I was obsessed with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's just like any story of, uh, you know, a kid coming up playing basketball and having a Jordan's jersey up there, um, yeah. you know, and, and wanting to be better than the best, greater than the greatest. Uh, you know, you have to have and find that kind of motivation. And I, I think when I was growing up, I, I thought the same thing, honestly. You know, I, I saw Dynasty and it, they were very relatable to me because they were so young. They mm -hmm. were, you know, obviously the new hot thing coming out because they were successful. They were kids from California they were young and they had this not only just all those but they had this play style that was different from everybody else that was athletic athleticism right, exactly. you know they had that little bit of an edge where they their bodies looked fluid as they were diving or moving or running and shooting or something like that and I I wanted to do that i wanted to and this is i yeah. feel like the rush the younger russians coming up you know federal and they were and mishka when they were all coming up they had mm -hmm. that style too and I, I i looked at that because i was like man well that's kind of the future of paintball and i i'm still young at this point compared to those guys and if if that's what i need to do to compete and become pro and do all this then that's what i need to do so that's that's what i took my motivation at you know through those guys but everybody Everybody was looking up to them. As as far as in the Midwest, I know. Um, obviously, we had aftershock, but like I, yeah. everybody said before, all those guys were a little bit on the older side, so we didn't really have any of the. They were starting to get out of out of it. You know, exactly. they were starting to get out of their prime. They weren't they weren't that powerhouse team that everyone like that that you could say Dynasty grew up watching. You know, Avalanche and aftershock and all of those teams and Ironmen who would just pummel people into the ground. It was yeah. for us. It was dynasty. It was dynasty for that team. Yeah, hang on. I gotta blow my nose. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's my sickness coming out. Oh, it'll go away though. I had a tea. I'm hoping it helps. But um, but let's go back. Uh, let's go back to you. Um, when you traveled to World Cup and we were talking about that and you got to play. Now, was it also the uh, the atmosphere? at the time of world cup did that kind of get you excited too to kind of be in this different atmosphere than a regular paintball field or uh, some little small regional event like this was a big deal so it had to yeah. at least move you in that direction too oh absolutely i remember being at world cup and there was and as a kid as like a 12 year old like everything as a kid is awesome Everything. And it's huge. Because you're bigger than and you. You don't know happen. any better. You're a kid. You don't know what's sweet and what's awesome. So anything that you haven't seen before is is awesome. It's the best thing to ever happen to you, right? Yeah. So I remember, like as a kid, like being at Cup and like all the booths, and they were huge. I remember them being just gigantic, filled with like all this different product, this sweet guns, and I'm running around like you know fanning the guns and doing all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff. I'm yeah. being a kid. Oh, of course. And and it was there were so many people and to me it was just like the greatest thing to be a part of that experience like I'll never forget that experience and honestly it, it that's I get that feeling I relive that feeling every time I go to World Cup 
Yeah. Every time I'm there, just that atmosphere and just seeing everybody else and that excitement that you can see on you know the kids' faces and the parents' faces and I, that excitement, I relive that over and over and over again. So for me, World Cup is just it's just an amazing experience that I've been able to relive since I was 12 years old. Now I'm 29. Yeah, you're 29. I thought you were younger than that. I well, I just turned 29 uh, a few days ago. On the, oh, on that's the right. That, yeah, that's six right. Six days ago. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, you're old man. I know. I'm so old now. I'm I remember. Almost the big three zero. Oh, dude, it's it's just a number. <laughs> Don't worry. Hey, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> um. So when I met you was, if I can remember right, was when you jumped on excessive. And right. I, was it at the same time Callie jumped on? Uh, yeah, I think that he came a little bit later. But yeah, we we came on. I See, I can't remember if we came together or if he came just like a couple months later or a month later. I can't remember. So were you playing? So the, I remember DC Devastation. Mm-hmm. Was that a team that you played for? before yes. excessive right exa- exactly so in 2004 um the i guess it would be the la the one that was at the tracks the yeah. the, the, the horse, horse tracks track. yeah that was that was my <laughs> first national event well in my mind my first national event because the one that that world cup one didn't i didn't really count because i only played like one one point i believe sure two points so that was my first national event it was 04 and then i played all the way up until World Cup 2005, and then played with excessive in 2005 World Cup. That's so a short. That's a, that's a short time that. span. It's, I know. And honestly, dude, I I was not ready. Like looking back on it, I was not ready. Like I don't even see what they saw in me. You know, I don't know if it was like a work in progress. Like, hey, we can mold this guy and we can make him to a great player. You yeah. know, I I don't I don't know what they were thinking because I was. You know, they don't they didn't they never discussed that with me. I was just a kid. You so know, did you so, yourself not feel ready to be on that field yet? No, I don't. I don't think that I did. And I, if you were to, if you were to go back and actually look at that match that we played against Dynasty in the 05 World Cup, I played scared. I played timid. I didn't. I wasn't making the moves that I was making the rest of the tournament. Was that your first time playing against Dynasty? Yes. So that was my first that, time that, yeah, playing against. Yeah. So and it was in the finals, and and the crowd is just crazy. I remember the whole experience, and I, I was scared, and you could see that. Yeah. Uh, you could see it in the way that I played. Like if you go back and watch, it was it was a, a it was a, a child. It was a child trying to play in the big league, right? Yeah. And I was just not prepared for it, you know. So like looking back on it, I'm like, man, I wasn't ready, but I was playing well enough that I got to the finals. I was starting. And I was, but when I go back and look, I was like, God, I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't, That's I can't, I see. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, you're going to be critical on yourself. And I can't yeah. really, I just remember you being a kid. I mean, I was a kid too. Um, yeah. But I just remember you, I remember your, I remember your sandana was like really loose and everything. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. But, um, but I don't really remember too many practices with you because I, I didn't really get to, out to california all that often uh right because i was still in the midwest but uh did, did you get in quite a few practices and quite a few weekends i went out there out? i went out there a few times and then the whole next year i remember that i played on um i played on the semi-pro squad and then you played on the main squad if i remember correctly um for seven man 
No, I never I never played for the uh, the pro squad. I've always played for oh. Excess Energy. Yeah, so we played together on Excess Energy. I thought Later you played on. on the pro squad though. Yeah, I'm t- yeah. I, see, I thought that you played on Excess. Uh, I played on Excess Energy, and you played on the pro squad. Uh huh. No, I always played for Excess Energy with Maddie, Micah, uh, Scotty Kemp. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't even remember who else. I know Bobby. I, later on, yeah, Bobby I, played for him. And... Yeah, I was I was there. We won San Diego. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were on that squad. Yeah, man. Jesus Christ, dude, my memory's terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, we won. We won San Diego. We crushed it that event. We actually played. We won the pro spot that year. Yeah, I played out the whole time. Fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. That. I don't remember that at all. Well, I remember honestly, like. My memory is so bad. Like the only time the I remember the very last game, um, the very last part of the game where I ran down the snake and like bunkered one or two guys and was walking yeah. back watching. Now remembering you guys finish out the game, and like walking back being like, "Fuck yeah, we won a fucking pro spot." Yeah, yeah. It was so it was, it was awesome. awesome. I still yeah. I, think I still have the medal and the wristband. Yeah, I have the medal too. Yeah, I have the medal too. Somewhere it's in like a. I have a fat bag, like a, a a gift bag with medals, and it's like almost filled to the top. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> honestly, man, it's and I don't want to call it. Uh, I don't want to call it luck either, because you know I want I want to go back to what we were talking about, um, where you had Rust or not? Yeah, Rusty, uh, mm-hmm. John, uh, Richardson. John Richardson, and all those guys to to look up to and learn from. Like I don't want to call that that luck either because I think I think a silver platter is always handed out in different ways, right? right? And you have to recognize that silver platter and some people will look at it and go, "Nah, I don't need that." You know, I don't need to do that. I don't yeah. I don't need to work hard. I don't need to do this. And then others will take that op- at that silver plate as an opportunity. And I think that is something that you did is take advantage of having those guys and 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 made you want to work harder and harder and harder and harder because some people would be like, well, he was, you know, he had all this, you know, handed to him. His dad was uh, Steve Rabikoff. You know, he had all this uh, accessible to him, which is a fucking plus if you ask me, but if you don't put in the work and you don't put in the time and you don't put in the blood, sweat and tears, you're not going to be who you are today. Yeah. I didn't like one, like I have another thing where I, I went and, tried out for the russians and it was a closed tryout so when was and so when was this so this was in 2008 like r- the season before 2008 like the off season before 2008 that was my fir- my first year with the russians so you so you played for you played for excessive 2005 okay um, so 2006 mm-hmm. comes around and you're still on the squad yeah uh, 2006 i played with excess energy okay and i don't i don't even know who i played with for x-ball i, I for some reason, I just cannot remember that year. But I remember, and I think that actually I either got cut from excessive or I left. I can't remember exactly the details. Were you on the maybe the squad that we won Chicago? Were you on that squad? No, no. no? Okay, because I, I went to Infamous after. That's right. Okay, That's right. So I so I went to Infamous, and I at that point I hated pro. I hated playing with all of those guys, and those were the same guys that I grew up like learning from: John Richardson, Rusty Glaze. Why would you after, say that? 
So it was just a miserable experience. Like every practice, like I guess I was making mistakes, always getting yelled at. Like I never felt like I was learning. It was always like, yeah, or a part of the team. It was always like, it was just a constant like grind into my skin and grind into my brain that I was just like not having fun with it at all. And I despised going to practices. I did not like being around them. It was just, it, it just wasn't working for me. Right. And after that, I actually, for 2007, I actually stopped playing pro altogether. I went back and played division two with like my friends and my family. I pray, I played with all everyone who I grew up with back in Virginia mm-hmm. because I was like, ah, I'm done with this. Like, I just, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, it's not fun for me. I'm, I'm just not having what I thought the experience that I was going to be having. Right. And so I went back and I played with my friends and who I grew up with and I, I absolutely loved it. I had the, I had a blast playing back in D2 and that, that was with DC Nasty. Ah. And I and I lived there, so I was practicing all every weekend again and going out there and like just having fun. Like going it was fun out there again, and yeah. not yeah, not caring about anything else and just doing me. Like what I grew up doing, just doing me and, and then enjoying it and getting back on that grind and, and having fun with it. Um, and then that's when I was able to get a – it was a closed tryout in the off season before, two, the, before the 2008 season with the Russians. How would you hear about it? So I didn't actually hear about it and I definitely would have to thank my dad – for this because <laughs> sometimes you got to pull the dad card you got to <laughs> exactly exactly this is, would be the one thing where he was like he heard about it and he heard about the close tryout that was happening and it was at cfp central florida paintball mm-hmm. and somehow some way he never actually told me to this day how he heard about it but he i guess called up the right people and they were like you know get him a tryout like he he's ready like let him come yeah. And they were like, yeah, sure. Like, and I even paid for my own flight. I went out there. They're like, what's it going to hurt? Like, we'll bring it, we'll bring him out, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I went out there and, um, uh, there was a bunch of different players like JP Augustine, oh, yeah. Robbie Pettinelli, Gino Benedicto was out there. Um, the, uh, like Nin, uh, not Ninos, um, the, some, I can't remember his, his, uh, name. Him and his dad still play. Uh, they they're from Tampa. Starts with an N. Ne- Nevius Nevius he used to oh. play on uh, on on uh, what was the red team out of out of Florida. Strange. The red, yep. Used, yeah, yeah. So so there was a bunch of bunch of different people um, out there for the closed tryout, and I remember going out there and just beating everybody up, and it was <laughs> such a good such a good feeling. Yeah. Um, after all of that, because like that previous year I was having fun again, I was practicing, like doing my own thing. And then I went out there and we did like a one-on-one thing and I won the whole, I won the one-on-one tournament or whatever. Nice. And we're doing like different drills, snap shooting, and I was beating pretty much everybody in it. So it was, it was a good experience. And then they took, they narrowed it down. It was like 15 of us and they narrowed it down to like seven. And then those people had to then go to Russia for the final tryouts. Uh, yeah. So this was the beginning of 2007 season. Beginning of 2008 season. So eight it was season. in the off season before 2008. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, thinking thinking back on it, I forget who it was who was doing the U.S. scouting for them. Mm. I forget who it was, but I actually got contacted by 
by whoever was doing the scouting for him, and they wanted me to come play for him that year. I thought, well, I don't know if it was come play for them or come try out. Yeah, but yeah. I, I remember, I remember that now. Yeah. I don't, so, I don't know why I didn't. I don't know. Maybe I was scared yeah. of Russia. <laughs> well, yeah, then because the, that story that I had to end up going, going to Russia and going there, and then they did kind of like the same things, and we did a one-on-one tournament with all of the Russians, and they had a. I think they still do the same thing. They have like a whole camp there. They yeah. have their team, the ones that we know and that we see and we play against. And then we have, then they have like another 10 guys who are a part of the organization who live in apartments there. And then they play every day because they have to have enough people to like train. Like a practice squad? It's, I wouldn't even call it a practice squad because they're a part of the team. You're a part of the organization. You yeah. just, you just, you're the beat. You're that beeline. You haven't made it to you haven't made it to that to the squad that goes to the states. Yeah. They play in like the local events there and so they're still playing and they're they're playing 5 days a week but they still have that like you know people get hurt like someone needs to step up, right? Sure. So there's always someone there to step up. That's why their transition like when they lost everyone they're like oh you know they're not going to be like they came back so fast because of that. Those guys were already over there training. I was yeah. with them when we were training. Th- those guys who I played with and who I was part of that team, that B, that B line team, are, are now on today? that team. Yeah, they're the Russians of today. Huh. So, so went over there. We, they did a whole one on one tournament, and I beat I beat Malloy in the finals of it. Oh. So I ended up yeah, I ended up winning that. But that year, I didn't even. I think I only played on the main squad one tournament. Um, because they did a, they had the regular Russian Legion who played in the pro bracket, and then they had the the semi pro team like Dark Dark Legion. Yeah, it was called Dark Legion, and I played most of the tournaments on that on that team huh. while I was like training and preparing. And I had to go over there for ten weeks per my contract, ten weeks out of the year per year. So was it a paying contract? Yeah, yeah. So when I when I went over there, so I made my base, I made my base salary. And I had to go over there. First for time you got weeks. paid for paintball. First time I got paid for paintball. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. Oh, technically, I mean, I guess it was my first real, real job, right? It's my first real <laughs> yeah. job, so I was pumped about it. As Hell soon yeah. as I started, like, signed my contract, I'm all giddy, got a smile on my face. Like it was to me, that was like the best moment ever, you yeah. know. And then per my contract, I would get paid every day that I was there as well a part of my salary so it was actually nice going over there for the 10 weeks like it was it was shitty but at the same time it was super nice because at the end it was like a bittersweet at the end i would take home like a fat stack of just rubles (laughs) of hundreds no they would give me hundred dollar bills really yeah and i would just i would leave with like a stack like this big it's just the size of my hand it was huge and i would always like take pictures and flash it and like you know because i thought it was sweet oh yeah yeah but so it was it was amazing but going over there it was a professional environment like you wake up you uh work out like light workout yeah right and then we would play just do drills light drills snap shooting a little bit of running and gunning but you're not like going full right then you'd take your lunch, you would come back, and then we would lift weights, and then we would play again. Then you do you would do more drills, and you would do more like team exercises in the afternoon, and then in the in the morning you would do kind of individual skills. And then huh. on Fridays we had practice days, and that's when we had matches. 
yeah. we would play each other or if another team wanted to come they could come and th- they would play us huh so, so, so yeah th- would you say that this kind of built your paintball uh work ethic almost or did you kind of have something in line like because that's what i wanted to get into too was like mm-hmm. you said you were winning the you won the one-on-one at the tryout you, you won the mm-hmm. one-on-one uh, one-on-one against malloy in russia what yep. did you have or where did you get the confidence and and your play before that because you was it from playing on that d2 team and and building your skills on that team having fun well it, it... Yes and no. Yes and no. Because obviously everything up to that 07 season with the D2 team with DC Nasty, I was always still training. And I was yeah. so I was around the pro the pro guys. So I understood what it took to win. I just didn't get over that gap yet. You know, I didn't I didn't pass that threshold of of understanding what it actually took. Yeah, you know, like I had my work ethic and and how I trained and what I thought it took to be a good player because at that time it was it got me to where I was, you know, and and that was in my opinion when I look back at it now was just mediocre. Uh-huh. Then when I got to the Russians, they taught me how to be great, right? And they taught me they fine tuned everything that I was good at, and they made it like phenomenal. You know, like they, and it was crazy to actually, cause I'm seeing it unfold. You know, I'm, I'm seeing myself every practice every day, get better and better and better. And when you're playing five days a week, you notice it pretty fast. Like when yeah. I first, I remember there was a day we were doing, it was a triangle. It's a triangle drill, right? And you're in it. It's a triangle. You're in three different bunkers. One guy is you have, so you have one guy in each bunker and you do snap shooting, right? So two guys here in the triangle are on the outside dominating you. They're always out. And the one guy in the triangle on the outside of the tip, he has to snap shoot and win the gunfight both sides, right, get shot, left, get shot. Cause, and, and so you would just sit there and you would do it for like an hour straight. Yeah. And it sucked, dude. It sucked because as that guy, as the snap shooter, you would just get worn out. And it was crazy because I remember I was I was actually the guy who would sit one of the drills I was sitting out and I was Mishka was the guy at that moment because it rotates right yeah that guy goes this guy goes right so I was the guy that's supposed to sit out and Mishka it was the snap shooter and every time and it was crazy because I never knew where he was coming out you you just have to be ready like you're shooting shooting you just have to be ready he would wear me out and I'm like man I thought I was pretty good at this. <laughs> and it was constant and I would be furious because it was like every week we would do that triangle drill and, and he would dominate me. I could not beat him to save my life. Yeah. And then finally, like you started, you start to catch on things and you catch on to him pr- like very quickly. You have to, otherwise you're just going to be terrible. Yeah. So, so you catch on to it pretty fast and then eventually like I'm shooting him one time and then three times, then five times. And then he's never shooting me. And at that point, it's like when he comes over and he's like giving me high fives, like, hey, you did, you did good in his broken Russian accent, you know, <laughs> at that point you realize like, okay, all of your hard work is paying off. Like you're doing the right things. You're and progressing. Exactly. They, I feel like the Russians, they pushed me past, past that threshold. And if I didn't play for that team, I would not be the player that I am right now. That's 100% accurate. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, it, and would you say that the Russian program obviously is about 
mechanics, you know, and mm-hmm. getting those mechanics down and, and, and turning those men into machines. Um, do you think that they, or I, I guess you would know, but do they put just as much effort into like, a, let's say a field awareness, um, as they do into mechanics? So, and this is, this is obviously my opinion. I personally don't think that you can teach field awareness. I think it's something that you grasp and that you learn from experience. Uh-huh. That's the playing over and over, like when to do this, like your timing, right? Like that's all through experience. You can't, you can't take some fresh body and then teach them timing. You right. can't teach them field awareness. They either see it or they don't. Right. So that's one of those things you just can't teach it only through experience. So that's why I believe that the way that they're doing it is absolutely perfect because they fine tune you mechanically where you're sound, where you are just perfection. Like you can't be beat. Right. And then those players who have those, that skill set who then can see the game visually and see the game mentally. Now you have taken someone who's perfect in that area and then someone who's developing that experience who can understand the game, but only a matter of time before they get to that place of perfection. So do you think that's where uh, paintball creativity comes in is mechanical skill and then uh, field experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I always – and and whenever I teach my clinics, I always, always harp on – the fundamentals, like doing all of the right things from the from the gate all the way to when you hit your bunker. If mm-hmm. you're not fundamentally sound and mechanically sound, you're already setting yourself up for, for failure. Yeah. Right. So because you're not as individually, you're not helping your guys out. So if you can't do it individually, how can you expect to be a teammate to someone else out there when they're doing the right things, right? So yeah. that's the way that I see it and the way that I teach it is if you is all by fundamentals and be being mechanically sound because those things come with experience and you can and whenever I see it I always like one guy or two guys there's always that one or two guys at a clinic that just understand the game. Mm-hmm. And then you can take those players and you can mold them. Right, you can teach someone how to how to snap shoot to perfection. Right, yeah. you can't you can't teach them field awareness and you can't teach them timing. It's just one of those things that in all sports, that's why you see great players and then you see good players. Mm-hmm. That's that that's that threshold. That threshold is getting past it. Like I felt like as that player, the reason why I was picked up at an early age because I saw the field differently than most people did. Yeah. And that's what made me probably a little better than some players. And plus my snap shooting was okay at the time. But once I perfected my mechanical skills, then I was able to just focus fully on the game of paintball itself and how to break it down. It's like a quarterback breaking down a defense. It's the same situation. You can't teach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you already, you already know how to throw, the football and hit this exactly. target. You're you're mm-hmm. you're at that level. I feel like there is a topping out of mechanical ability, right? Yes. You either miss the shot or you make the shot, right? I think it's it's the mental part then after that to where like and I feel like that me personally I feel like where that I had I had perfected I don't want to say perfected but I had I had gained uh, my ability as far as my mechanics go fairly early. In my career, 
but my mental side really lacked until later in my career. And I'm still like still today. I, I still make mistakes today. Absolutely. Um, but it's like when, when people see me make a move or go from here to there, like I'm doing five different things before I make that move. Like, yeah. And, and everybody's like, well, you just, you just got up and ran. Well, like in my head and exactly what I did. If you watch me, if you're a paintball player, you'll see the yeah. five different things that I do before I, I make that move knowing what's going to happen. Right, right. Absolutely. And that's one of those things that it's, it's also player tendency. Like when I watch, I don't watch the team break out. I, I'll take individual players and, and I watch their tendencies. I watch what they're do, what they're good at, what they're weak at. And I can pick up on those things so fast because in my head, I, I can understand the game. I understand what that player is trying to accomplish because I've done it a million times. Mm-hmm. And I know what it takes to get to that 50 Dorito or to get to the snake one. So I practice, I put in that hard work. So I know what that player needed to do to then make it to that spot. Yeah. And then it's just a breakdown of then their mechanical, mechanical skills and what they're thinking in that moment. Because when it comes to tournament time, no one's going to change up what they're doing. Nobody. They're going to take what they're comfortable with, what they're, what's been working for them, what they are good at. And And they're going to try to, exactly. And they're going to try to just excel in that. Right. So those things are so easy to pick up on it because they're going to do it point in and point out. It may be minute, but they're always there. Those things are always there and you just have to be able to see them because they are repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's only, I mean, obviously with a bunker, there's, you, you know, those certain spots of where a player is going to come out and snap shoot and, and where, because in your head, you're like, well, this is where I would come out if I was this right. guy. At least that's, that's yeah. how I think about it. And um, I think that's why my my play is so unorthodox is mm-hmm. because I want to be as unpredictable as I can because I know not only yourself is watching, but other people are watching. And if they can go, yeah. well, I just don't know what this motherfucker is going to do. I feel like I have the advantage. <laughs> yeah, so, of course. Yeah, of course. Because it's, it can, it's about it can be so repetitive. At that point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's exactly that. And that's why, that's why it, finally it's starting to catch up. But that's why there was such a huge gap between the, the good players or the great players and just these new teams that were coming up. There was such a huge gap. Like they were just getting dominated and they're like, well, this is an easy win. You know, easy win. Mm-hmm. But now anyone this, these days can can beat you. It's because it's that repetitive nature. It's being able to just beat it up and grind it into your skull. And when you're playing the best, you're going to learn to be the best, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to fall off. If you're not adapting, then you're going to fall off. And that's why you're seeing these teams finally be able to break that 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 barrier. Whereas before, the gap was so, so big. Yeah. Like if you were to take any of these these semi-pro teams right now, even now, if you put them in our pro bracket, guarantee you they will not win a, a match. Like it's just because those players have then now been a part of the league for, for so long now, just finally learning and understanding the game. Yeah. For what, for what, how we were playing it, the level that we were playing at, it, it's that that barrier and that it's so hard to break. And it's it's exciting to see these players, like even these new kids, come up and be able to do it because mm-hmm. we haven't seen it in a while, and it was refreshing to actually start see start to see these other faces play well in Chicago. Yeah. No. Well, I was just gonna say that I think Chicago was a perfect example of 
all the teams across the board, I mean, with with the exception for maybe a, a couple a couple games throughout the weekend, but every game was pretty fairly close. I mean, there was the competition across the board was pretty damn good. You know, you know. Here's my opinion. You know what I really think it was, and a lot of people don't like the the initial didn't like the wall being added in. But in my mind, it was the greatest thing to ever happen to competitive paintball. Really? Because it, it made teams break the field down. Because there's so many, so many times where you can try to run and get destroyed by the wall before you're like, man, this sucks. How do I fix it? Yeah. And then you fix it by working with the guy next to you and working as a team. That was the way to fix it, right? It wasn't – whereas before, before the wall – you any got any good player or a great player could break a game out completely by himself, right? He could just run down a side, snapshoot a couple guys, and then win the game. Right. You would see it. You would see it a lot. But in my opinion, the wall forced teams to to play at the the team level, and it made it so much more competitive because it was learn or die, learn yeah. or lose. Like you, that that's your option. If you can't. And all these teams who don't play the wall, they're not winning tournaments, right? So it, when these teams are starting to adapt, and that's why you saw so many close games because everyone was forced to go to the wall and everyone was forced to play that team game. And once you get everyone working on all cylinders, it's hard to break that. Yeah. So it, it, that's why in my mind that the wall has made it the most competitive that it's ever been because it's forced you to play a team, a team sport now. Whereas an individual. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I, I would say that the wall definitely has, I think it's zoned up the field. Um, mm. it, it made the two on this side play together, like you said, play that zone, play the snake zone, play the the guy in the middle, play the middle zone, and the guys on the other side play the Dorito zone or whatever you want to call it. But I agree. I, I, think, I think it kind of, <clears throat> I think it helped out the sport for sure. It gave it that, that dynamic, but I think it also did slow it down. Um, but I mean, also all the other bunkers on the field slowed the game down too, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know. There's been a lot of things, a lot of talk about what's gonna, where do we go? What's the advantage? Where, where do we, where do we take a step forward? Is it, is it taking bunkers away? Is it, is it this two shot, two minute shot clock kind of thing that I heard kind yeah. of running around? Uh, is it? Is it four pods? I mean, I would love to see it four pods, honestly. Um, of course, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but I think we need to bring it down, or not necessarily bring it down, but bring it to to where there there is constant action, where everybody has to be a sharp sword at all times. Yep. Uh, but I just don't. I don't think we know. I think it's always going to be experimental, and we won't know until the end of the year of when we tried something and we say yay or nay if it worked. Yeah, it, it, it's just like learning learning the field before a tournament. You have to fine-tune things, and that's what we're doing slowly but surely. Like in my mind, yes, the wall has made the game more competitive. But also at the same time, I'm like, well, the wall has had its time, and it needs to go. So, oh, so it, you, you, think it, you think it should go? Oh, absolutely. I believe that it's the best thing to ever happen in paintball in terms of the competitive spirit and the competitive nature of the sport. The best thing, but it needs to go. Two years, it's been here for two years. It's time to, to make a change. It's time to make that change, and that change just starts with the wall. And and we need to add different variables 
And what needs to happen is not something that, that that's constant and stays the same like the wall or the A or the X. You couldn't do anything else with them. Right. You need to have a series of other bunkers or whatever it may be that can be placed anywhere, anytime, and it can work, right? Like where the wall is, it can go in the middle and that's it. Yeah. Like you only have one option. So wherever they go, it needs to be able to to be played in a way that it can always change the field and the dynamic of the sport. You mean like anywhere on the field or anywhere on the, on like the 50 line. So it can be anywhere on the field. So like one, one thing that I've heard floating around is it's going to be four giant rectangles. So with those, you could put them essentially anywhere. You could put two in the middle or you could do like even like a crazy diamond in the in the middle uh-huh. where it's broken up and like you can stand them up. You can have them offset. You can put one and make it kind of like a, how a car wash would sit in the back but then have two in the middle. Like there's so many different options that you could do with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where it needs to go. We've now taken that competitive nature that the wall gave us and then if we have it where the – where it can change the field and the dynamics completely, then you're going to see these different teams shine. Whereas they're not always slow fields. If they're always slow fields, the slow teams are going to win. Yeah. That's just the way it's going to be. Right. So the more disciplined teams, exactly the more disciplined teams. But if you can change the dynamic in the way that a field plays, <sighs> obviously come Sorry. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously come Sunday the field is always going to slow down but to a certain extent but yeah. if you give if you give the a, a, a team the slow field always for 2 years straight they're going to perfect it right. right that's why you see these same teams constantly constantly coming up ac dallas has finally made that that cut that's because they were a slow team in the beginning they were just slowly fine tuning it yeah but if you can change if they can add the bunkers where it changes the dynamic of the game and the field every single tournament, you're going to have to see teams adapt or lose. And that's what needs to happen. And that's what's going to create that excitement. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, something something needs to happen. But I'm, I'm a fan. I think what it comes down to is I need to be a fan of whatever happens. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you're always going to push – or not just you, I mean, anybody, if you're always going to push against something that could possibly be different, then you're always going to hate. Like I always, I remember some, some years it was always a field came out and we're like, Oh, I, I fucking hate this field. And then yeah. the next, the next event will come out. Oh, I fucking hate this field too. Oh, this event. And then all this, uh, I'm like, I've this year I've learned to love every single field because yeah. if you don't, then you're already you're at the disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. fucking perfect. A diamond. Let's, let's fucking do it. And I, I love it when everybody's like, well, no, this side's going to be the slow side. I was like, well then fucking put me over there because yeah. I'm going to make it the fast side. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to figure it out. Like how I've always seen the game too is a giant puzzle and mm-hmm. that needs to be solved. And if I can figure out where the fucking pieces go and how I can solve this puzzle, that's, I think how for me, I'm keeping paintball fun because mm-hmm. I just I like solving problems. Even for my nine to five work, I have to troubleshoot things, and it's a puzzle to me. You have to go through these steps to figure out this fucking puzzle, right. and it's there's always an aha moment. And I feel like those happen on the paintball field, and it just fucking clicks the more you do it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's, and the thing is, I have to agree with you because I'm the biggest hypocrite on this. I'll always, I'll preach till, till the, till my dying day that you can't, you have to love the field, but I'll be the first guy that if I'm struggling on that field, be like, <laughs> man, I fucking hate this field. Yeah. And then I, but I'm a total hypocrite on it. Like I preach this way and I'm, and I tell everyone I teach in my clinics, even with my team, I'm like, we have to love that we have to adapt and we have to love every single style of this field mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Like we have to, but then I'm a total hypocrite and I'm the same way, but I have to agree with you in the sense of if you're not loving the field, then you're already setting yourself up for, for failure. Yeah. It's just one of those things. So here's another metaphor I have for the field. The field is a flower and okay. the more you love it and nurture it, the more it's going to open up and blossom and bloom and you're going to see all those pretty little petals inside and you're going to be able to see everything and it's going to come together. <laughs> I, I I like that metaphor. A little, It's a little bit fruity fruity for me. That's right. But Flowers I, I, it, it, Yeah, it's really good. I like that. I like that. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made my kids got me soft in my, my old age. Oh, hey, there's nothing wrong with being sensitive. I'm starting to starting to get that way too. Uh, so let's let's go back to you. let's go back to you let's go back to uh, you're, you're you're playing for impact you've been with impact for what is this your fourth year? Uh, two thousand four. So uh, sorry, sorry, two thousand fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, this might would be my fourth year. I pulled that on my ass. I was completely guessing on that. So well, you got it, hundred <laughs> um, percent. When you initially came over to the team, uh, could you? Did you see yourself where you are today with, you know, having it be what it is today? Yeah, I I I I went to Impact with the sense of now's my time to show I I've been able to win World Cup and win these various tournaments, but now's my time to be that player to then go on a field or go onto that team and be the leader and make everyone around me better. Like I've one of my one of my idols, obviously Oliver Lang was great at that, but Michael Jordan was the best at it. Oh, I thought you were gonna right? say and, me. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> but Mike Michael Jordan was the best at it, and Oliver, in my eyes, was second to none. Like those two players, I idolized in terms of making everyone around them better. Yeah. So in that moment in my career, when at going to Impact, I was like, okay. Now is my time to show myself as a player that I can also do this. And so I've put myself into more of a leadership role mm-hmm. and uh, try to make everyone around me better and just better the team and to help myself better myself individually as well. Like it's always a learning experience. It's always helping me reach that new level because everyone I know is going to work hard. Yeah. Right. But I, I, in my mind, I have to work triple, triple them. And, and if I'm not going to do it physically, then I need to do it mentally. Right. And if I can be that player, that's triple everyone else in the mental standpoint, then I've bettered myself. So it's always to me a challenge of how I can all be better than these guys where they have to go back and be like, man, how do I reach that level? Right. And I'm already at the next one. You know what I mean? Like that's how I'm always challenging myself. And for me, that's what makes paintball fun. Where whereas you, you're breaking down a field, like you have you have you what makes you work hard, right? But for me on the same page, it's it's that it's that same feeling, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think no, I lost. I, oh, no, I didn't lose you. You're just frozen. I did. I don't know why it happens all the time. I just, my webcam decides to say fuck you and it just stops oh, okay. working. Yeah. Luckily, again, this time it froze in a position where I don't look completely stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I look like I'm listening intently. So, you do. Uh, no, and I think it probably this sounds stupid too, but I, I'm, I feel like you're not only playing against the uh the other guys on the on the on the field you're playing against the field too right you know because you're still because you i i feel like you always see something new uh whenever you step on the field i mean i i get to walk the field fucking the day of i play because i just don't have the time off but of course but i i feel like you always end up at some point in a tournament somewhere that you didn't walk the field and you're kind of learning as you go almost and you, you walk so many bunkers, but then you're always in a spot at some point where you're something's new. And or maybe it's just because I have a fucking bad memory, and every point's a brand new point. And I forget all my shots every time I go out there. No, it, it, it's the, it's the same. I mean, and it's it's your brain thinking in that moment a thousand times a minute. And once you hit the once you hit the ground and you get up, your muscle memory is taking over. Right. And it's yeah. at that point, then you need to start dissecting the situation that's in front of you. And you're always going to be learning something new every single point. And that's the beauty of this of this game is it may seem similar from an outside like, oh, they went to the same spot again. Like that's how that Chicago field played. I went to that same thing, sat on a knee, but I'm like, but it was different for me every every single point, yeah. even though it looked the same. Right. So it's always every single point you're going to find something new in the the easiest way to, and it's the worst way, but the easiest way to also be better at the field and learn the field better is losing on the field. Right. Because it shows you your flaws. The, the, the worst part about winning is you never reflect on the mistakes that you made. You just move on. You just go, we won, and that's it. Right? But when you lose – you reflect on every single thing that happened. What mistake did I – could I have won this point? Could I have won the match? What could I have done here? What could I have done here? Blah, blah, blah. And like you always, always reflect on the negatives and you try to build on that. That's what helps us you know, become better players and better people. So, so my, my, thought, my thought on that quick before you get too deep into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a pattern with winning though, right? There's a reason why – uh, you guys, the the top teams in any sport, there's a reason why they win, right? Less mistakes mm-hmm. and capitalizing on the other team's mistakes, right? So I, I think I think it's kind of a double edged sword being on top. It's it's like you said, you don't get to you, you don't get to focus on what you're doing wrong because you're doing the things right, but then at the same time you're doing the things right because you're not making the mistakes, right? So so you you're doing the right things at the right moment, at the you know. At, when you need to so those mistakes aren't being made so you're already in that moment making the right choice if you weren't you guys wouldn't be on top so it's like it's it's kind of like a 2020 a catch 22 a 2020 what the fuck is that (laughs) you know what i mean Uh, yeah i do catch 22 so so it's like um all you guys and all those top team the damages and the and the ac dallas's the less mistakes you make uh, the more wins you're going to get. And the mm-hmm. more mistakes you make, the the more you're going to be in the position where you get to play catch-up. And that's where we lack. We lack in the whole catch-up game. Um, you know, we, we tend to kind of fall off in the beginning, and then by the time we start to come 
you know, get our wheels underneath us, you know, the teams it's too that are, late. it's too late at that right. time. So, um, so impact this year, you guys, you guys have only, well, you won Chicago, um, and you were in the finals for, um, two for two of them. I mean, you guys, you guys are always on top. And I think the reason that is, is because all the players on your team believe in each other. Um, mm-hmm. You guys know your capability. You you guys believe in the system, and great players, which every single one of the players you guys have is great. You guys work and play off of each other, and great players make the players around them great. Right. And that's just that's just the fucking what it is, man. Like you you guys have that that mix right now of what's happening, and that's I always thought that was weird too. When teams start winning, like people start hating on them. Yeah. You know, always, always. Yeah. There's always a, uh, well, well, fucking impacts going to win again. But I, I, but I think it's more of a thing outside of, uh, the pro kind of world because we see you guys winning or, or any team that wins and and that competes. I have respect for because Mm -hmm. I have been there a couple times, but I've, I've been in that position of winning and knows and know what it takes. But I think it's more of the outside, of our realm people or players who look at it and go fucking impact again. Oh, fucking impact again. Oh, fucking impact yeah. again. But I mean, th- you can't, how are you going to, I mean, if you guys are all assholes, I can see that, <laughs> but that's not the case. So I never understood that. Uh, you know, that's one of those things that I, I, I've never understood either. Like think it, it, one of the, one thing that comes up in my head is, Last year, when the Patriots went to the Super Bowl again, and they've yeah. been just on fire. Tom Brady is one of the best to ever do it. Where everyone was like, "Oh, I want to see the Patriots lose. I want to see Tom Brady lose." And I'm on the other side, like, "Dude, I want to see him make history. Yeah, let him win again. Let him dominate. Like, let, let let's see him be the best that he, ever. Right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to see that?" And there's always that's why the the underdog always is is there. Yeah, that's why it exists because everyone wants to see the the underdog take on the 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 giant. It's the old David and Goliath story. It's right. the same thing. Everyone wants to see a hero be made. Everyone wants to see dreams come true because they can relate to that or they want that. They that that's that's that biggest thing. So no one wants to see the same people achieving achieving greatness because right. it gets old it's boring right it, it gets it, it can get boring but as as a competitor when i when tom brady made this in the patriots made the super bowl again i'm like man let's all right let's see it tom i want to yeah. see you do it again and i want to see him do it again this year i'm not even a patriots fan but i i i want to see him just win every super bowl until he retires to just go out and be and and, and everyone remember him forever because he was the best to ever do it. You yeah. know, it's the same with Michael Jordan. It, like, I wanted to see those players win over and over, not just because I was a fan of that team, because I'm a competitor and I know what it takes. I know what it takes to be there and win, and it's it's tough. It's really, really tough. Yeah, I thought about that in the the same way uh, you're talking about the Patriots, about the, the Pittsburgh Penguins in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, dude, fucking win win back to back. Like I'm not the biggest fan of that, but at the same time thinking about it, like I'm a I'm a Red Wings fan, but I'm not like mm-hmm. a die hard Red Wings fan. Like I've 
I'm not like so deep into sports and into some certain team that like if anybody else wins, I'm shitty for the day. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, you know, it's like it's a fucking team that really doesn't give a shit about you. Like yeah. that, you're just a part of the fucking system that makes them money. If you want to go pay, uh, you know, three hundred dollars for a fucking NHL jersey, uh, they want your money. So yeah, 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 fucking do it. Or, or like this new, we just got a new. Or we, I say we, like I'm a fucking part of it. They got a new, uh, a new ice yeah. rink, like the huge <laughs> little Caesars Arena, and the thing is massive. And I was looking at tickets, and just for like nosebleed section, is like mm-hmm. sixty, seventy bucks. Like, yeah, it is shit. the Red Wings, though. They're pa- they've been a powerhouse for year- decades, you know. Well, so like lately, we made sense stepping on our dick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a Red Wings fan at heart because my my dad, he's just always been with the Red Wings, and so I always follow them and I want to see them do well. Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he I like your dad up, even more now. Detroit. He grew up in Detroit. I, I was born there. Really? I was born there. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, I'm from Ohio. I don't know why I'm getting excited. I'm from Ohio, but it's <laughs> yeah. just like yeah. But it's cool though. I mean, I that's cool that you're a Red Wings fan though. Uh, I, I like hockey in general. I think I think hockey has more in common with paintball than mm-hmm. any other sport. I feel. Yep. At least the Agre- way we're ag- playing, what we're playing right now. Agreed. And 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 it was even easier to when you when I'm on the plane and I'm sitting first class and and someone's like, hey, what do you, you know? What do you do? And then I tell them and they're instantly like bright uh, eyes brought wide open and they're yeah. like, oh, like that's so awesome, blah, blah blah. And then like, so like, tell me what a game. So when we had the penalty box, I'd be like, well, it's super fast pace and it's very similar to hockey, except we have guns in our hands. You know, we have a penalty box you know, you're playing instead of a constant on the ice, we're playing points and it, it's a race to and, and, and whatnot. So at that point, it's very easy for them to relate because they know hockey and they're like, oh, that sounds really, really interesting. Whereas now that's that's the one thing that I, I, I just don't like about paintball right now. And I constantly, in every interview, anything that when I'm talking about paintball, I just get bitter about because the worst thing to ever happen to paintball was split deck. Split yeah. deck was the dumbest thing to ever happen to the sport of paintball. Now, from a league standpoint and a scheduling standpoint, it's genius. It's fucking yeah. genius. How they didn't think of that before, like who was the idiot there that met, that dropped the ball on that? But well, probably because everybody heard it and was like, no, that's stupid. Yeah, but the the problem is is from a viewer standpoint. Like, let's take my girlfriend's mom, right? My girlfriend, she's she plays a lot of sports and she caught on to paintball super fast, yeah, super fast. But her mom, not so much, right? She's not watching my she's not watching the webcast and watching me every tournament and watching me play and like cheering for me. So when she watches, she's like, I don't understand what's going on, yeah. you know. And it's that old like. Well, how can how can we expect her to know what's going on when our team plays, we play, and then another team comes on? They're like, I don't get it. Yeah, you know. And then and then you factor in also while we're out there that it's hard to understand what that player is doing. Who's mm-hmm. shooting at him? Why is he just sitting there? You know. And and that's another. Uh, I could go. We could literally be on this podcast for another eight hours because I could just <laughs> rip on this for, for yeah. months. You know, I have so much information that's just stewing in my head that I just want to get out. But we have no real focal point. Uh, so our focal point is you're supposed to hit the buzzer, and that that's what makes you win that point. 
but 90% of the time you don't even hit the buzzer. Yeah. Because the other team's trying to conserve. Yeah, it's conceded. They're trying to conserve the time. They're, they want to get their guys in, go over to the next play because you only have two minutes before the next, or sometimes it can be longer, sometimes it can be less, just whatever it may be, right? You're just trying to win the win the game. So the folk, our focal point, which in my opinion is not a focal point, doesn't even exist. So now we have nothing that a that a viewer uh, that a viewer can go on and be like, okay, well, they're going after that. That's what they're fighting over. That's what that guy's looking at doing. You know, like that we don't have that. So for a viewer to step on the stage, they have to then deal with split deck, which makes zero sense to them. And then they have to deal with, well, you know, what is that guy? What is he doing? What's the objective? Exactly. And, and, and you know what? You know what the worst part is? I'm not even sure I know. Right? Like, I, I know that we have to shoot the other team. and But when I now explain it to people where I can't even understand our focal point, it's very hard to tell someone else. You know, and that's where we need to figure that out. Yeah, and that's where, in my opinion, paintball needs to start going. Our our uppers, our guys who are running the show, they need to understand that we have to have that if we want to move forward in our sport. Do I know the answer? Absolutely not. Can I talk about this for months on out? Absolutely. But that's where we need to, as but an that's industry, what they have to do too. What's going on? Exactly. Like that is their job. We rely on them. You know, I, we can have these these groups and, and these powwows and we could talk about it, but nothing is getting accomplished. And that's, in my opinion, that's, we're taking a step forward and then eight steps back. So what's good though, the positive out of that is that we're ha- we're having the conversation, right? And, it, and we're, sure. we're not having the conversation behind closed doors. This podcast mm-hmm. goes out to everybody, whoever wants to hear yeah. it. So, you know, and, and if the, if people have the same opinions that we do, that voice will get heard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, and just like anything, you know, people use their, their dollar as their decision. Yep. So, you know, it, obviously people are going to play paintball no matter what, but if you can figure out how to make it more fun, how to make it more viewer friendly, how to make it, uh, more logistically, uh, you know, better at the tournament yeah. side, that's all great, but we, we need we need to find that, like you said, that focal point. Do we mm-hmm. bring back a center flag thing or a center buzzer or 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 points on? The, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, ex- exactly. It's the it's it's I don't know because we really don't know, and 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 that's why it's so hard. And you can't I can't completely fault our higher ups and the people who are running the show because it's so hard for us to say I don't know that it, it makes me understand that it, it's a tough decision to make. And the biggest thing is is no one wants to make a huge change that can just impact the game forever and maybe destroy it, right? right. That's, that's what everyone is afraid of. But we need that change. We need that big change, that, that jump that can, that can leap us into – the destiny and and beyond, right? Like we need that that jump, we need that change, whatever it may be. I'm behind it, yeah. right? Because as of right now, it's not working. Like we, it needs to it needs to change from a viewer standpoint. Sure, sure, from a competitive standpoint, I can go out there and play a thousand matches, endless here on out, right? But yeah. 
I also have to look at it as a, as a teacher, as an ambassador, and as a player that what we're doing currently is not working for us, the industry, and the people who want to view or come in, right? That, that's, that's the issue. My, my girlfriend's mom should be able to turn on the webcast and, and understand, even if it's just a smidge, maybe not the rules, but understand what the heck is going on. Because you can turn a football game on and be like, okay, they have to get to that end zone. That, that team needs to, to, to get the ball across that goal to score points. Now, sure, it gets a little mixed up. Uh, like a field goal is worth one, and it's uh, six points. And right. Yeah, the rules are always going to be there, and people aren't going to always understand the rules. But that there that has their focal point. Basketball, it's it's the the hoop and the ball. It goes in, you score points. Baseball, it, you get on base, you 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 hit you hit the home plate, you score a point. Yeah. Whereas for us, it's just beating the other team. Like that's not exciting when you think about it or when you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is they you you want the viewer or whoever the first time viewer to be intrigued. Mm-hmm. You want you, that's the first thing is you want them to look at it and very first thing off the bat go, oh, okay, all right, I'm 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 intrigued now. I, I want to learn yeah. more. I want to do this, but I, I think what the disadvantage for paintball is is because it's so young and so fresh, such a new sport that mm-hmm. our parents, grandparents, great grandparents grew up with the traditional football, baseball basketball they they understand because either they played it or a yeah. family member played it and it's just an american traditional sport that you know it's it's ingrained in people i feel you know, kind right. of thing and with paintball it's such a new wave sport that it's really hard for somebody to kind of comprehend because there's so much going on that's the biggest thing there's so much going on yeah exactly so here's here's one thing that i always make an argument for that that and this is why I'm always like trying to preach my ideas and then become like that crazy, crazy cat lady, you know, <laughs> in paintball. So in 2005, 2006, that was our, even up to 2007, because that's when like the market crashed, right? Um, 2005, 2006, those were our, our, our years, paintball's years. We were in all kinds of magazines, uh, ESPN, everything. We were the extreme sport that was on the top of level. We were beating out extreme rollerblading skateboarding we were crushing them yeah and this is when you're talking about like tony hawk doing 960s and we were beating them statistically in terms of playership like people going out on the weekends and during the week and thinking about it like we were that sport then then the mock then the market crashed and you know your average joe didn't have the residual income to then go and play people then forgot about it right and what happened in those moments it was much cheaper to buy an Xbox or a PlayStation and have that kid play at home. You don't even have to watch him because you know he's not going anywhere. So yeah. it was easy for a parent. It was affordable for a parent. I just have to buy a $60 game every month. You know, so the the costs didn't add up. It was like, oh, this is much easier. And my kid loves it. All yeah. his friends can come over. So when the market crashed, that residual income went to video games. Now you're seeing esports and competitive video games become, it's the most watched thing in all of sports right now. We're we're talking NFL, soccer, they're crushing it, Uh right? They're destroying it. So they are the most watched thing in terms of a competitive sporting environment. 
they are winning. Okay. In my opinion, and this is one way that we can go, it's an option, right? Is we need to draw that crowd in because that crowd is enormous. Again, it is the biggest thing in sporting, in the sporting industry. Right. So if we can draw that in and pretty much say that what you, what you can play on your computer and what you can what you can do <laughs> sorry you're distracting me that's i'm sorry so, I, my nose yeah. started running I get yeah, it. <laughs> it's okay but what you can play on the computer and what you can play on your xbox or your playstation to then take that platform and then do it into us right because you have so many of these first persons and our game is such a mental game right Right. the strategy is huge we know that you and i know that but not everyone else outside the sport knows that right Mm -hmm. but if you can take that take what they're doing so well in the industry right now and, and and put it into ours and show them hey you could do this but in real life it it that's that's how we draw them in if we can then, and I'm not saying I know the way, but yeah. I know what's working and I know what's not. And this over here is working to an, to a level that we haven't seen in, in 50 years, you know, yeah. and, and us we're you know, on a slow incline, let's be real. We have to understand like, where we're at. And, and the problem is, is we're not, we're just doing the same things that we did in 2004, 2005, 2006. They're like, Oh, well, this is what made us great. Hoping well, something comes across. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, we'll continue to do the same things. But it's like, man, like, what, what are these guys thinking? Like, we need to move forward. We need to always be progressing. We need to be that industry that shows everyone else that we're we're still the greatest thing. Right. And I think that we need to take what everyone loves so much. And right now, that's, that's video games. It's the most watched thing uh, in terms of sporting events. And, and somehow mold it into our sport and i think it's very possible it's very possible so what do you i i talked to this guy um uh, i think it was earlier this week i talked to this guy we were, we, were, we were talking about this whole thing of how do we how do we turn paintball around not necessarily turn it around but getting it getting it going in the in the right direction and whatnot and getting it a little bit more popular with people who might not know about it right. and he brought up the idea of I don't know how you're going to pay for it or anything like that but maybe on like Saturday night at the event have a an artist you know I don't know how much it would cost but have a music uh, an idol a music a band uh, some kind of attraction to where mm-hmm. it will draw people in but say it's you know at a paintball event with you know, featuring whoever, fucking right. Adele or Twenty One Pilots, whatever. But yeah. have have that initial attraction because of there's so many fucking bands out there anyway, mm-hmm. or, or or rappers or whatever you want to do. Right. Set up a set up a stage. You know, sell tickets, do all this shit. You know, fuck, do sell tickets and make pay the band that way or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but have some kind of attraction. Let's say Saturday night, and then bring people into the event. Like have it yeah. during the day or something like that, and that'll at least draw some kind of a crowd. And then you know, of course, not everybody that's gonna come is gonna be like interested in paintball. But yeah, gonna but be, if you get if you get ten percent of the of the concert or whatever it is, then yeah. you've won, right? Even if it's five percent, you've won because you didn't have them before. Exactly. So 
and that I agree there, there needs to be things that we need to do differently to, to help grow our sport because we're just trying to do the same thing that we've been doing for, for 20 years. And it got us to that point, but we need to move to the next level. We need to get past that threshold. It's like adaptive. we were talking about before. Exactly. Yep. And we're not, we're not adapting and things are starting to pass us. And, and I can see it because I, I'm one of those guys that, that watches these the esports and I follow it and I follow all, all of it because yeah. to me it's so intriguing and in how fast it was able to grow and I can and I relate to it because I, I see myself in in that you know in that competitive environment and I understand it and it's huge because you can watch your you can watch what you play but we with our sport it's so unique that with all of these different games we can make that into yeah. reality and then tell someone, hey, you can play your game, but in real life. And then they're like, what? What I can I so I can watch this that I love and I can watch it in real life and then that's where we come in and then we're playing that. Right. Yeah. And and then now that that's it again. Like it would become it would be it would be awesome. I I the sky is the limit on it. It's just a matter of in which way, you know? Yeah. And in and, and are our guys who are running the show even willing to do that because if they're not then we're not going to move forward right right well you know we got we got to try something you know yeah. bring, bringing them over in some way but bringing 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 the attention to the sport mm-hmm. when it where it wouldn't be originally exactly so. exactly well man I, I mean i dude i could probably sit here and fucking talk to you for, yeah for hours anyway <laughs> about all this shit but uh yeah but I, I greatly appreciate it, man. I, I wanted to have you on here because you are somebody that, uh, you know, I've I've enjoyed watch play throughout the years. I think I think you're one of the one of the best out there. So uh, to appreciate have that. you, dude, absolutely. And and to have you on here and kind of you know pick at your brain a little bit to see how the uh, the engine works is is really cool. And I really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I I could be I could be on here every week if you ask me to. We <laughs> the conversations are endless. Oh but yeah, man. I thank you so much for having me on. No, oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely, anytime. And uh, this is cool, though. I this is kind of the first time we had a nice long conversation uh, that I can remember. <laughs> even the excessive yeah. days, I didn't even remember you were at the fucking tournament. <laughs> I know, God, that hurts my feelings so I'm much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but but thank you so much, man. Um, I will uh, I will see you very soon. This fuck World Cup's yep. around the corner. Right around the corner. All right, buddy. All right, Appreciate take it. care, man. Thanks. See you, buddy. Bye. Thank you so much, J. Rab, for sitting down and uh, you know letting me into your paintball brain, pretty much, and, uh, and and talking about your career and everything. I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you again to our sponsors, Doctor Paintball where you can finance all kinds of paintball markers and gear. Uh, Again, that's drpaintball.com. GI Sports, the makers of the LVL loader that uh, that Aftershock uses, as well as the Pro Circuit 5-star paint and the Glide GI pants. So uh, you can find them over at gisports.com. Charm City Paintball, makers of some rad-ass headgear. You can check him out at Charm City Paintball on Facebook as well as uh, Charm City Paintball on Instagram. And a big thank you goes to Planet Eclipse, the makers of the LV1 series, the CS1 uh, series, 
and all kinds of rad markers in between. And you can find everything over at planeteclipse.com. Thank you guys, everyone, again for joining me. If, uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, go ahead and, uh, and shoot them over to me at Carl Markowski on Instagram or uh, Carl Microwave Markowski on Facebook. But thank you guys so much. Greatly appreciate you listening. And we will see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.